Luke chapter 7. If you have your copy of God's Word, go ahead and make your way there tonight. Luke chapter 7 is where we're going to be at, and we're going to start here in a few moments in verse 36. So get your copy of God's Word. If you've got it on your phone, electronic, that's fine. I don't care. Just make sure that if you're using an electronic device that you are indeed using the Bible. And I will warn you, I can tell the difference. Because I use the Bible app myself, and I can assure you it doesn't involve any use of your two thumbs in the midst of me reading the passage or discussing the message. So feel free to use that if you want to, but make sure you've got God's Word open. If you don't have any copy of God's Word, that's fine. We'll take care of that. It'll be on the screens. You can follow along. Tonight, we'll bring our Convos with Christ series to a close. As far as the teaching aspect of it goes, you've got to come back next week. Because we're going to have a special way that we conclude this series. But how many of you have been blessed by the past few messages? Anybody? Just want to show how many of you have been blessed by the past few messages? I'm hoping that they're hitting home with some hearts in this room each and every week. And I think it's been pretty amazing to see some of the incredible life-changing things that Jesus did in the course of one-on-one conversations. Everybody wants to focus in on the big, immaculate things that Jesus did. The teachings of thousands of people, the the walking on the water, the miracles that he performed, the feeding of the 5,000 that he did not only once but twice. And yes, those are amazing. Those are awesome things. And Jesus did some supernatural things in those moments. But he did just as amazing works through one-on-one conversation. We've been seeing that the past several weeks. And we get to peek in on one more tonight. As Jesus gets his earthly ministry going, word about him and the things that he was doing spread. And they spread quite rapidly. Especially when you consider that all they had for information passing during their time was just word of mouth. There was no local news outlet. You know, there, there was no Jerusalem TV where they could broadcast the things that Jesus was doing. There was no social media for Jesus to access to get his name out or to push his platform. There wasn't any Facebook, no Instagram, no Twitter, no TikTok, none of that stuff. But even in spite of all that, Jesus still finds a way to go viral, so to speak. Word about the things that he was doing was spreading rapidly, and all this commotion about Jesus couldn't help but grab the attention of certain people. One of those people being a man we're going to be introduced to tonight, a Pharisee by the name of Simon. And so Simon, perhaps seeing a chance to catch some of Jesus' spotlight, decides to invite him over to his house one day. And we pick up the narrative right there in Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36. And the word of God reads, One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined, At the table, and behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him. She is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Wow. Imagine Jesus speaking those words to you. I have something to say to you. And he answered, Simon answered, say it, teacher. (laughs) Simon says, that's all right. Some of y'all will get it later. 
A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss, kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I think it's time for a heart to heart. That's the subject of our last installment in these series of messages tonight. It's time for a heart to heart. Tell somebody next to you it's time. Tell them it's time, it's time. They might not even know what, what time is for, but it's just time. It's time for Jesus to say something to you tonight, just like he said something to Simon a couple thousand years ago. It's time. Simon decides to invite Jesus over for a meal. I told you all back when we started this series that the best conversations happen around food. Here's just another prime example of that taking place. Simon invites Jesus over for a meal. Conversation is the result of that. And I believe his intentions were probably sincere when he invited Simon over. Now, I'm sure he was probably clout chasing a little bit, wanting to get in on Jesus' coattails a little bit, wanting to get the limelight that Jesus had cast on him a little bit. I'm sure he had some motive behind that, but I really do probably think he probably wanted to know more about Jesus. Kind of like the other Pharisee we saw last week, Nicodemus. So there's a big difference between the two at the end result. He really probably did want to know more about Jesus. Let me tell you something tonight. Anytime you get close to the Savior, it's going to expose self. Self-attitude, self-intentions, self-actions. Anytime you get close to the Savior, it's going to expose more of yourself. But don't be intimidated by that. Jesus doesn't expose so he can condemn. Jesus exposes so he can correct. During the course of their time together, this woman shows up. She begins washing Jesus' feet and anointing his feet with the ointment that she had. We don't know anything about her. No other details given about this woman other than one. She was a sinner. Imagine if that's the descriptive you got in Scripture. Imagine if that was the descriptive you got in your spheres of influence. People didn't more or less know your name, nor did they care to know your name. They just knew you as one thing, sinner. That's how this woman was known. That's the only thing we're told about her life, so to speak. She was known in her town. She was known in her community. She was known with her friends, if she had any, as being a sinner. And what unfolds in this conversation is a comparison of hearts. Jesus has a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with Simon while this woman is in the room with him. And I want you to follow this with me tonight. We've got Simon and we've got this woman. So let's go heart-to-heart -heart for a moment. Let's look at Simon. Simon's heart, we see from the get-go, was critical. Go back to verse 39 
with me. This woman shows up and it says, Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. So this woman walks in. And even though Simon probably doesn't know her, he knows all about her. You ever been there? You ever felt like people didn't know you, but somehow they knew all about you? You ever feel like your reputation for the things that you had done in your past and in your present even preceded you to the place that you were going into? Simon probably doesn't even know this woman, but he knows all about her, and instantly he's critical of her. Just listen to the thoughts that he had in his mind concerning this woman when she walked into his house. He says if Jesus knew who this was, if he knew, and, if he knew who and what sort of woman this is, He's uberly critical of this poor woman who just wants to be close to Jesus. If he knew who and what sort of woman this is. Now, we don't know. We don't know what she did for a living. But we can infer from some of the details that she probably worked the street corner. More than likely, that's what she did. And if that was the case, then obviously her reputation would precede her. Everybody would know this woman because she stands on the street corner and she does her business in that kind of way. So it's probably a safe assumption to, to say that's probably what she did. And Simon looks at her and he says, man, Jesus, if Jesus was a prophet, if he really was who everybody says that he is, he would know this woman is a sinner. She is nasty. She is unclean. And if he knew that, there is no way that he would let her be touching him anywhere on his body. But you know, he isn't just critical of her. He's critical of Jesus. Did you catch that in the text? It's not just her that he's critical of. He's critical of Jesus. If this man were a prophet, obviously this guy ain't all he's cracked up to be. Obviously it's just a bunch of rumor. It's just a bunch of hearsay. This Jesus character isn't who he's cracked up to be. Sure, he might have done some cool things. He might have taught some cool things, but he obviously ain't anybody special because if he was, he would have known what kind of woman this is. If this man were a prophet, there ain't no way. This man I've invited into my house to see what's so special about him. He ain't even no better a teacher than I am. He probably don't even know as much about God as I do. He's critical of everybody around him. Simon's heart is critical. Let's go heart to heart with the woman that's there then. Simon's heart's critical, but this woman's heart is contrite. Go back and look at verse 37, we've got to back up just a little bit. It says, Behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. To have a contrite heart, to have a contrite spirit, means this by definition. Contrite is feeling or showing sorrow and remorse for sin and shortcomings. This woman doesn't need to be told that she has a reputation. I promise you she knew her shortcomings and her failures better than anybody else in the room did. She doesn't need Simon criticizing her. She doesn't need Simon pointing out all her failures, all her flaws, all her shortcomings. She knows them as good as anybody. Can y'all relate tonight? You don't need anybody else to point out your failures. You don't need anybody else to point out your flaws or your shortcomings. We know them personally as well as anybody does. 
But this woman has a contrite heart. Why do you think she's weeping? Weeping. I'm not talking about a little sniffle. Area. I'm not talking about like you kind of jammed your finger a little bit and it's kind of like, all right, that's not a big deal. You know, it's, I'm good. I can tough that. I'm not talking about a little sniffle. I'm talking like weeping, sobbing, probably to the point where it was disrupting the meal. She is weeping. Why? Because her heart is contrite. Her heart is broken over the state of her own sinfulness. Simon's critical, but this woman is contrite. Let's move on. Let's move on. At this point in the conversation, Jesus perceives Simon's thoughts. So he's thinking Jesus ain't a prophet. And then Jesus proceeds to read his mind. <laughs> Quite the turnaround on Simon. So Jesus perceiving Simon's thought and the criticism that he's bringing, not just to this woman, but on his own character, he says, Simon, I've got something to say to you. And he tells him this short little parable talking about Two debtors, one that owed a very large debt and one owed a smaller one, and both of them had their debt canceled. And Jesus asked Simon, which one do you think is going to be more thankful? Simon says, well, obviously the one that had the greater debt. And Jesus says, you're right. Now let me tell you something about this woman. You see this woman right here? And he begins to draw some comparisons between Simon and this woman. As Jesus begins to have this frank heart-to-heart -heart conversation with Simon, he points out some specific things. So go back and look in verse 44. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. It was custom of that time to provide this kind of service if you had a guest over at your house. Now, I know we don't do this kind of stuff anymore. Everybody's got on shoes on. And you keep your feet nice and clean for the most part. At least I hope so. I hope you're not so lazy. You get in the shower, you don't bother to bend over and take care of this stuff right here. Because don't nobody want to smell your nasty feet, man. Come on. Wash that stuff up. We got some guys that play ball out here every night after the message. Some of y'all need to wash y'all's feet. Lord have mercy. COVID ain't going to kill nobody around here. Y'all's feet are going to kill somebody around here if we don't get it under control. It was customary at that time to wash the guest's feet when they entered into your house. And Jesus says, when I showed up, you didn't give me no water for my feet, Simon. And it reveals the selfish state of Simon's heart. Simon's heart is selfish. He wasn't concerned about Jesus. His focus and his attention was solely upon himself. Number one, me, myself, and I. He should have been taking special care of this special guest that he had in his house. But listen to me right now. Listen. Don't miss this part. I, you can get in and out if you want to, but don't miss this part. Selfish doesn't recognize special. Selfish doesn't recognize special. Simon's heart is so selfish, you don't even realize the specialness of Jesus. When your heart gets selfish, you fail to continue to recognize the specialness of Jesus. Simon's heart is selfish, but Jesus makes a comparison. You gave me no water for my feet. Go back to verse 44. I entered into your house, and you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. So Simon's heart is selfish, but this woman's heart is selfless. Jesus makes the comparison between the two. He says, she's wiped my feet with her hair. She has wet my feet with her tears. She didn't have a bowl of water. She didn't have anything provided. She didn't walk in the house, and Simon didn't hand her a bowl of water and say, hey, can you do me a favor? Go wash Jesus' feet. 
He didn't even provide that when she showed up. So with nothing else at her disposal, she uses the only thing that she has in the form of liquid. That's her tears. That's how we know she was weeping. You ever cried enough tears that you could give somebody a foot washing? This woman is so broken over her sinful state that she is wetting Jesus' feet so much so that she can clean them with her tears. This wasn't her home. Jesus wasn't her guest. She didn't invite him to come to a dinner party. She just showed up, and in the most selfless way possible, she begins to wash Jesus' feet. But what really elevates to me the level of her selflessness is that she wiped his feet with her hair. Those of you that know me very well in this room tonight, and those of you that are kind of new, if you stick around long enough, you will find out I have quite the affinity for my wife's hair. Constantly, constantly playing or twirling with her hair any time that we're around. I love my wife's hair. Guess what? My wife loves her hair as well, and she takes very good care of it. Most of you girls in this room, you take very good care of your hair, right? That's why you go to the beauty salon. Us guys go and we get like a $12 haircut. You guys, you get married one day, you get a wife, you're going to find out that when she goes and gets her haircut, it ain't $12. More like $75 to $100, depending on what we're having done. Why? Because they take care of their hair. Because it is a source of pride for them. It's something that they take pride in. It's something that they value. It's, it's, the Bible talks about how a woman's hair is her glory. This woman, in such a selfless way, throws her pride and her glory to the side and begins to wipe the nasty dust, sand, and grit off of Jesus' feet. It can't get any more selfless than this. Any of you girls, after the service is over with tonight, want to volunteer to grab one of these guys after they're done playing ball, pull them off to the side and say, hey, I heard Trey talking about your nasty foot problem. Can I help you out? Let me wipe that off with my hair for you. Any girls, any takers whatsoever? Absolutely not. This woman has a selfless heart. She is wiping Jesus' feet with her hair. Simon's selfish, but she's selfless. Jesus moves back to addressing Simon's heart. Go back to verse 45. So you didn't give me any water for my feet. She's wet my feet with her tears, and she's wiped it with her hair, and then you gave me no kiss. Another cultural custom of greeting someone so before y'all think there's anything weird going on in scripture right here it's not that Jesus was desiring a kiss from another man it's just that it was a customary cultural thing to do when you greeted somebody into your home you give them a kiss on the cheek he says from the time I walked in you didn't greet me you didn't give me any kiss you didn't welcome me into your home but it's also a sign of affection to greet someone with a kiss in those times wasn't just a formal greeting. It was a sign of affection. It was a sign of love for somebody. It was a sign that you were close to that person. Simon gave no kiss. Why? Because his heart's calloused. Simon's heart is calloused. I like to go to the gym. I like to lift weights. I can show you guys and girls on my hands down here the calluses that I have from years of working out and grabbing weights and I got a few new ones now thanks to this guitar business and I have a newfound appreciation for those of you people that play guitars. Like I, it feels like I dipped the end of my finger in some hot wax from a candle and it glossed over. You know that weird kind of smooth feeling? That's how my fingertips feel. That's how my palms feel from working out. And you know what calluses do? They make you numb. They affect your feeling. They affect your sense of touch. Simon's heart is calloused. There's no feeling. 
There's no affection. Simon feels no connection with Jesus whatsoever. Listen to me. He's as religious as anyone. He's a Pharisee. He's a teacher of the law. He's a teacher of God's Word. He's kind of like we talked about Nicodemus last week. He was known for being the person that would pray at every single prayer meeting. He's a guy that would stand up and read Scripture out loud. He's a guy that would lead the Bible study. He was a guy that never missed an outreach event. He was a guy that's going to go on every single mission trip. Simon was as religious as anyone. I need you to hold on to this for a second for me, okay? Keep this in, in your pocket. Religion produces calluses. Simon's heart is calloused. But Jesus goes back and makes the comparison to the woman who's there again. Go back and look at the second half of verse 45. So you gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. Religion produces calluses. Relationship produces care. This woman's heart isn't callous. This woman's heart is caring. She has an affection for Jesus. She has a connection with Jesus because of who he is and what she knows he has done and will do in her life. And so she is kissing his feet as a sign of her affection and her love and her relationship and her connection to Jesus. Nicodemus, last week we talked about how you don't show up to bury what you're not bonded to. The same way with the woman at the well two weeks ago, you only testify to what transformed you. And the same way with this woman here tonight, you only kiss when you care. Jesus holds a special place in this woman's heart. She is expressing her love for him, her thankfulness to him over the truth. Get this, not this, that she cares for him, but that he cares for her. If this woman was indeed a woman of the streets, when do you think in that profession was the last time she felt anybody care for her? Nobody cared for her and her profession. She was just a commodity. But she cares for Jesus because she knows that Jesus cares for her. It's not that we love God, it's that He first loved us. Simon's heart's callous, but this woman's heart is the opposite of that. It's caring. You gave me no water for my feet. She has wet my feet with her tears and she has wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss when I entered in. Ever since I've been here, when this woman showed up, she hasn't ceased to stop kissing my feet. One more time, Jesus addresses the condition of Simon's heart. Verse 46, you did not anoint my head with oil. Yet again, another cultural custom and a common courtesy. It was customary in that time if you had a guest in your house to anoint their head with oil before they left, just as a hygiene kind of thing. It was a courtesy of, of I'm going to take this fragrance that I've saved back for these specific purposes. I'm going to anoint you with this so that you go out smelling clean, smelling fresh, not smelling like the food we just cooked. It was also used kind of as a bug repellent as well. It's just a common courtesy 
kind of saying, I don't know how in the world we can relate this to modern day. I don't know. Maybe I was talking to Matt about it in the office. I was like, maybe if it'd, be, if it'd be like us going around and, and I don't know, offering somebody some deodorant before they left or something like that. Drew comes over to the house and like, bro, before you go, let, let me dap you up real quick. You know, I know it seems strange and it is kind of strange, but it's just a common cultural courtesy kind of thing to do. Simon doesn't anoint Jesus with any oil. He doesn't bother to. Why? Because he was prideful. Simon's heart's prideful. I'm going to tell you why he didn't care to anoint Jesus with oil. Because quite simply, he didn't consider Jesus worthy to waste it on. It wasn't cheap, inexpensive stuff. People had to work. People had to save in order to afford this kind of oil that you would put on somebody. But Simon doesn't consider Jesus to even be worth the waste. And why would he, right? He's like this nasty woman come in the house, disrupt the meal. She's rubbing all over his feet. Jesus, you're not worth being anointed with oil. His heart's prideful, but Jesus, once again, makes a comparison. Go back and look at the last part. Verse 46, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Simon's heart's prideful. This woman's heart is poor. P-O-U-R. I'll explain what I mean by that before we finish up because it seems like a strange descriptive for the condition of someone's heart. When you look at this woman and you take into consideration what she probably did for a profession, and it's likely that this ointment that she's pouring on Jesus was used as a part of her profession. And I think more than likely this was the most offensive part of the entire deal to Simon. He looks at this woman. He knows what she does for a living. He knows how nasty she is. He knows how sinful she is. He knows what she does on the back alleys that nobody goes to. And she's rubbing this ointment on Jesus that more than likely was used on herself for appeal in her profession. And so as Simon is watching this woman rub this ointment on Jesus, it's probably majorly offensive that Jesus would allow this woman to put this smell on him. That pointed to her profession and what she did. Can I tell y'all a, a beautiful truth tonight before we get to the end and make this all practical? Jesus can take the stench of your sin and turn it into a fragrance of forgiveness. <laughs> you didn't give me no water for my feet. This woman has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Simon, you didn't give me no kiss when you came into this place, but since she arrived, she hasn't ceased to stop kissing my feet. Simon, you didn't anoint my head with oil when the meal came to a close. This woman has anointed my feet with ointment. At the end, he tells her to go. 
your sins are forgiven. I think it's worth saying one more time that Jesus can take the stench of your sin and turn it into a fragrance of forgiveness. All my life I thought the opposite of prideful was humble. And it is. But I found a new word that I like to be contrary to prideful. That's poor. Because you know what pride never does? Pride never pours. Pride, in the quite opposite sense, fills up. But someone who carries with them a contrite, selfless, and caring heart pours out. This woman pours out the smell of her former life upon Jesus. Don't, don't you think it's, it's quite interesting anyway that the only way that you can walk away from a former way of living is to pour it out at, or in this case, on the feet of Jesus? It's exactly what she does. It's not that she was just doing Jesus a courtesy. It's that she was showing, I'm leaving this with you. And I'm walking away something new. Let's make it all practical and personal now. Right? Because it's a great story. It's moving. It's impactful. It's, there's some cool stuff going on. It's a great story. But where does it land for us, let's talk practically. Let's talk personally. Let me speak to the already born-again believers for a moment in the room. I believe for y'all, like Simon, Jesus has something to say to you tonight. What if we were to put your heart on the screens? What if we were to put your heart on the screens? What if we went heart-to-heart -heart with you tonight? What would we find out? What would Jesus see if he drew a comparison? Would he find a heart that's critical? Would he find someone who is born again tonight that's gotten a little bit critical of people around him, that's maybe even gotten a little bit critical of Jesus here lately? Forgetting all the things that he has done for you and in you and through you, if you had to be honest, you become critical of Jesus here lately. Simon says, if this man knew who this woman was, I think some of us are guilty tonight, and I've all, we've been there. I've been there myself. That's why I can speak to it. Well, we've gotten to a point where we look at Jesus and say, Jesus, if you were this... Jesus, if you were that, then this stuff would be happening in my life, not this stuff. I'd be headed down this path, not the other. What about the rest of your heart? Is it selfish or is it selfless? If Jesus were to show up and he was to walk into your house, would he find a selfish heart inside of you tonight? Or would he find one that's selfless? You gave me no water for my feet. What if you showed up? What if Jesus showed up at your doorstep tonight and you recognized it was him? And your heart so full of self that you would just open up the door and say, Oh, hey, Jesus, cool, I'm glad you made it. Come on in. And never bothered to realize the specialness of your guest that's walking in. Would you find a calloused heart inside of you? A heart that lacks feeling? A heart that's been scabbed over? Man, you still got your religion, right? You're still here. You're still making an effort. You're still trying to read your Bible daily. You're still trying to disciple other people. You're still leading Bible studies. 
You're still spending time in prayer. You're still by all accounts trying to honor God and live a spirit-filled life, but your heart's calloused. You're going through the motions. You're living out ritual and routine. There's no relationship, nothing but tradition, nothing but going through the motions of me doing what I know I'm supposed to be doing. Would Jesus find a calloused heart inside of his people tonight? Would he find pride? Would he find someone that's too proud to anoint his head with oil? Would he find the heart of somebody tonight that even though we might not verbally express it, we mentally encapsulate it and we say, Jesus, you're not worthy of my best. Your absence in my life you're not working things out the way that I want them to be worked out. You know what? If you're going to withhold, I'm going to withhold. Would you find a prideful heart in this people tonight? I think for believers in the room, when we go into a time of invitation, it's time for you and Jesus to have a heart to heart and get some things ironed out. But I want to talk to those of you here tonight who still may not have a true relationship with Jesus. Over the past couple of weeks, you've seen what Jesus has done for some individuals. You've seen what Jesus did for Nicodemus, a man who was full of religion, how he took him out of that and showed him what a relationship looked like. You saw how Jesus sat down at a well with a woman who herself was sinful, who herself was strung out in some sexual sin also. Now he wiped her slate clean. How he sent her away a daughter. he gave her a new life and a new identity in him once again you've seen tonight what Jesus has done for a woman who by our only descriptive is a sinner you know I think broke Jesus' heart more than anything else in the midst of all this is not the state that this woman was in because she walked away forgiven she walked away and knew. She walked away with a relationship with him. Your faith has saved you. Now go. I think what broke Jesus' heart more so about anything else was the fact that Simon saw this right in front of his own eyes. And he still refused. His heart was unchanged. You know the condition of your heart tonight. You've seen and you've heard the Spirit of God move on your heart tonight as well as the past couple of weeks, let me ask you something. Are you going to leave with your heart unchanged? Are you going to leave tonight, men and women of God, with a critical heart? You going to leave with a selfish heart? You going to leave with a calloused heart? You going to leave with a prideful heart? You going to get out on your knees before God with a broken and contrite heart? You know what David said in the book of Psalms? He says, offerings and sacrifices, you don't find any pleasure in. What you find pleasure in is a broken and contrite heart. Nothing would please our God more than for us to be broken tonight. Than for us to realize, you know what? I've become critical. 
I have become selfish. I have become callous. I have become prideful. But God, I come before you tonight and I lay myself down on the altar all over again. And I say, create in me a new heart. What's your response going to be? Hey, this is Trey Mitchell, college and young adult pastor. I just wanted to say thank you for listening. It's our prayer that God uses these messages in a way that challenge and encourage you to live for his glory. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior, we would love to help you with making that decision. Just reach out to us through our webpage at underwoodbaptist.org. Be sure to check back in with us next week as we again encounter God through his word here at Life.